This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy, the fisherman, the woodcarver, and the Southern Baptist, who always said the best cure for idle hands is to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. You're listening to Shaun of the South. That beautiful bluegrass music here behind me are the fine folks in Backline, South Carolina. Backline, everybody. some of our mail a few letters for you mary evans in east prairie missouri writes dear sean i don't know if you ever read letters on your show but i think you should i think it'd be a nice addition for your listeners dear mary thanks for that that is duly noted and we're going to read a few letters because of what you suggested our first one being from janet Lyons in parkersburg west virginia dear sean i just wanted to congratulate my son towns for finishing veterinary school we're going to have our third vet in the family. Don Griggs in Hoover, Alabama. 
says, I finally finished writing my life story for my kids to read. I'm 79 years old. I've been saying I was going to write it since I was in my 30s. My dadgum kids better read it before I die. Sylvia McConnell in Charlottesville, Virginia says, I started learning how to sing Scottish music this week. I'm trying to connect with my heritage. My mother was from Scotland. I never had any interest in learning her songs before, but now I do, and I feel closer to her altogether. Philip Matchman in Hutchinson, Kansas. The first time I tried Googling myself, Sean, I found pictures of myself picking my nose at a stoplight. Apparently my son had taken them, and now he has no cell phone and will not have a cell phone until he is 48 years old. Ben Howell in Albany, New York says, Someone recommended your podcast while I was in a waiting room. And while I was there waiting to see the doctor, your podcast made me think of home. I was raised in rural Iowa, and I miss it every day. By the way, the doctor's office was a proctologist. <laughs> Charlene Lee Throp in Katy, Texas writes, My son rode a bike for the first time today. I never thought it would be this kind of almost spiritual experience, but it was. It was incredible to see my baby go on his own down the street. I was a blithering idiot. He turned back toward me and said, Stop crying, Mom. You're embarrassing me. Rena Breathnock in Clerkenwell, England. Dear Sean, my daughter and I listened to you in the UK en route to school. My daughter said, Mom, he talks about biscuits so much. He doesn't mean crackers, does he? What exactly is an American biscuit? Dear Rena, I will pray for you. Venus <laughs> Rogers in Dothan, Alabama. My sister just got married this week and we are over the moon. We never thought she'd get out of our house. We're finally going to take that cruise to Alaska. My husband and I are excited. Adam Johnson, Metairie, Louisiana. My girlfriend and I bought our first apartment together. We saved our money to buy it outright, and we are excited. And now we've discovered we have cockroaches pretty bad. We see them all the time. We've even started naming them after famous baseball players. Phil Lehman, Olathe, Kansas. I listened to your show on an all-night drive to Hot Springs, Arkansas one night. Thank you for making the ride with me. Dear Phil, no problem. Christina Shea from Portland, Oregon writes, I think you and I might be related because your weird, strange sense of humor is kind of like my dad's. Nobody ever laughed at his jokes. God bless you, Christine. Alan and Grace Charlap, Grove, Oklahoma. Sean, you're going to get a kick out of this, but we just had our first baby, and my wife and I decided to name him Elvis. I figure if you're going to have a son, why not make him the king of all babies? Robert Mark Smith in Spring Hill, Tennessee says, I saw a group of young Latino kids today at the grocery store, and the cashier could tell they were hardworking and probably poor. The cashier let them have all their groceries without paying for a single one. She covered the bill herself. I watched her dig into her purse to do it. I just thought you'd like to know about that. Dear Robert, I do like to know about that. Those are the things that keep me going. Jackson Bruner in Huntsville, Alabama says, Come up to Huntsville. We'll feed you a Wednesday night potluck and do some picking and grinning all night long on the porch of my house, although I'm a little too old to go all night like I used to. I play the dobro, and I got a good friend who plays a good banjo. We could use a good guitar. You're welcome anytime. Dear Jackson, thank you very much for the invite. Keep your eyes out for me. I might just show up. Bridget Connolly in Jonesboro, Georgia. My husband and I listened to you on the way to visit our daughter in Mississippi. And my husband says, 
my God, this guy really sucks, turn him off. <laughs> but after three episodes, I'm happy to report that he said he has changed his mind, and I just wanted you to know that my husband doesn't think you suck anymore. <laughs> Dear Bridget, thank you very much for those words of encouragement. Question mark. Cheyenne and Greg Island in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Sean, my husband and I have a bluegrass band. He plays guitar, I play mandolin. We love to hear bluegrass music on your show each week. I have been playing since I was five years old. My father was a professional musician. We aren't pros. My husband is definitely not a pro. But I like to play whenever we can. We just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. And I just want to say... Great four years it's been. I love him so much. My life wouldn't be the same without him, even though I don't have the heart to tell him he is not a very good guitarist. <laughs> Dear Shine and Greg, there are some things in life which are more important than playing a good guitar, namely being married to your best friend for four years. Congratulations. And that's letters from our listeners. We're going to have another song for you here from Backline from South Carolina. Backline, everybody.
music from Backline, ladies and gentlemen. Backline. Well, it's hard to believe that what you're listening to right now is our 25th episode. 25. I'm extremely fortunate, and I feel very proud of the people who've helped me do this. I feel very, very grateful for my, for the man who produces this show, and for the the sound engineer, and for my my personal masseuse who massages my feet before I go out on stage, for my personal shopper who makes sure I'm wearing the the nicest uh, Armani suit. And I'd like to thank my hairdresser who cuts my hair for $5.99 at the Supercuts downtown. I'd like to thank my makeup staff that makes me look not so ugly. I'd like to thank the woman who taught me in fifth grade and decided that I wasn't smart enough to pass that class and failed me. I'd like to thank the bands. We've had, we've had 25 bands so far, musical groups on this show, and they are, they are fantastic musical groups. And I'd like to thank, most importantly, you, the listeners out there listening tonight or on the phone or on the radio, anybody. When we first started the show, I didn't know exactly what I was going to get. Some people said it was a, it was a kind of a silly idea. When we started this show, we had five listeners. Five. And over time, 25 episodes, we built that number up to seven listeners. And I'm hopeful that over another 25 episodes, if things keep traveling in the direction they are going, we will have nine people. And nine people is enough to form a baseball team. And if we can form a baseball team, we can enroll ourselves in adult league softball. I've played adult league softball. The Methodist Whirlwinds and the Baptist Soldiers were the two teams. I played second base. I wasn't any good. My wife was filling in for a position that week. Shortstop, our shortstop, had plantar fasciitis had to take a break and so my wife was going to be playing shortstop I tried to teach her in the backyard how to handle certain throws and how to be the cutoff man or cutoff woman and she seemed to get it fine there's not a whole lot involved in adult league softball mostly you get nine people who've all had knee surgery and they're all trying to remember what it was like to be a high schooler my wife asked me what to wear when she came to adult league softball I said just wear something comfortable just wear something that's, that's comfortable. Comfortable to a man is a pair of jeans or comfortable slacks and a pair of tennis shoes and a, and a nice T-shirt that you can sweat in. And that's it. To a woman, comfort means something altogether different. To a woman like my wife, comfort meant showing up in flip-flop sandals, a pair of, of Bermuda shorts, and she was carrying a red solo cup, which was full of something that the Baptists would have preferred not being within 100 yards of our team. <laughs> My wife got up to bat, and the first thing she did was squat down under her heels to set her red solo cup down beside home plate. <laughs> the pitcher, Mr. Bob McDaniels, threw the ball straight at her. She swung, and she hit an outfield single. Before she ran... 
She stooped down and she picked up her red Solo cup. She took a swig and she was chewing on an ice cube. Now, if you're a man, you were born with the innate knowledge, a primal instinct on how to run once you hit a ball in baseball. You know you will throw the bat down to your left if you're a right-hander and you will trot along that baseline straight toward first base. But women, some women, are not like this. And by some women, I mean my wife. She set the bat down, she picked up her solo cup, and she, she trotted right over the pitcher's mound straight toward second base. And the Methodist catcher was screaming words at her, which I dare not repeat on this broadcast. He always was a cantankerous music minister. So I don't recommend playing adult league softball. I don't recommend it. What I do recommend is taking a drive on a two-lane highway. I love to take drives on two-lane highways. I didn't always know this about myself, but I know it now. You find things out about yourself that were always there, and you find them out a little later on in life, and you wish that maybe you would have known it earlier when you were younger, but it doesn't work that way. First time I found out that I liked to drive, I was in my mid-twenties, and I, it was a Sunday. And I just got in my truck and I drove. And I just drove straight. And I took turns when I felt like turning. And I, I drove towards parts unknown and I enjoyed the scenery. I love to see grain silos and I like to see farmland with cattle who, who look at me when I pass with that confused look. I like to see long green pastures which stretch toward the horizon. And I like to see red dirt framed with a blue sky tall live oaks which lean over the, the small two-lane highways of northwest Florida and south Alabama. These are some of my favorite things to see in my life. I like to travel with my wife sometimes. She's, she's a good travel partner. We talk, we play games occasionally, games like picnic. Picnic is a game in which you pick items in alphabetical order. The first person might say, I'm going on a picnic and I'm bringing an apple. And the second person would say, I'm going on a picnic, I'm bringing an apple and a ball. The third person would say, I'm going on a picnic, I'm bringing an apple, a ball, and a coffee cup. And so on and so forth, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And by the time you get to the end, the person who can say it without making a mistake wins. And if you can get to the end without saying a cuss word, you have really done something. Sometimes we play... 20 questions. 20 questions turns into 31 questions for me. I'm not all that smart when it comes to 20 questions. These are fun games. Sometimes we play Name That Tune. My wife always has songs that I've never heard of. Sometimes we stop at little joints to eat. This is another one of my favorite things to do. Just last week we stopped in Hartford, Alabama at a place called Mom's Kitchen. It was dark. The sky was a dark purplish blue and the, the little white lights were stuck to the fabric of the night and they looked like like the kind of glitter that the traveling evangelists embed in their, their clothing. <laughs> the parking lot was full of trucks and small cars which had dirt on the fenders and muddy tires. And the trucks all had browning stickers on the back or Remington stickers or or hunting decals on their back windows. And we walked in 
through the front door, and the first thing we were greeted with was a pie cooler, just the way it should be, a pie cooler. There were all sorts of people inside this place. It was very busy in Hartford. Or at one table was an old man, an old man who was having a little bit of trouble eating his his left hand was holding his spoon and his right hand was in his lap contorted at an odd angle and his left hand was trembling and shaking and, and the spoon was was rattling the food right off the spoon and whenever the waitress passed him by he would look at them and grin to beat the band over at another table was a woman and her husband and an older couple and a red-headed boy there were five of them that red-headed boy was eating so fast, he was in danger of, of passing out. <laughs> I was a red-headed boy. I was a red-headed boy with pale white skin, and once I hit my teenage years, my cheeks got a little bit rosy. People would always point out to me that I looked like I had just heard a dirty joke and I was blushing. <laughs> my cheeks were always splotchy, and this is why I have grown facial hair to cover up my splotchy cheeks. I have no doubt today that my cheeks would still be quite splotchy. At another table was a, a group of esteemed white-haired women. These are the kind of women who have pearls on. These are the kind of women who could balance the complete works of Emily Post on their head while they vacuum their den in strapless pumps. I could see them. They were all sitting together, and they were eating in much the same way. They had their hand in their lap, and they had another hand holding their fork like they were holding a the, the crown jewels of, of London, and they were eating very, very slowly. They were chewing their bites at least 100 times. They were the picture of manners. And the waitress would refill their sweet tea at least 19 times on average. I counted. Good, strong, solid women who, who know how to match a handbag to a pair of shoes. The table next to them was a man and a woman that walked in together. They, they looked like they'd been married a long time. Because when you see a married couple sit down and eat together, they don't talk. <laughs> he sat on one side of the booth and she sat on the other side of the booth. And they just stared at the menus. The waitress came and took their orders. And then they, they just, just looked at each other where they looked down at the table. Married couples, they, they don't not talk because they don't have anything to say to each other. They don't talk because they've heard each other's stories a hundred times. <laughs> See, a person only has so many stories they can tell. There's only so many stories you're given. And you tell these stories to the person you live with. Once you've told all your stories, you start back from the beginning again and you tell them all over again. It's like watching reruns of Andy Griffith. And by the fifth run fifth time your wife has heard your story, she will finish it for you and she'll say, yeah, 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 I heard that one. And so you'll stop midway through. And so there's no need to tell stories anymore when you're married. You just start with the first line. You say, you remember that time we played uh, adult league softball? <laughs> there was a table next to them in the corner. There was a young boy and a young girl, teenagers maybe. Perhaps they were out on a date. I can remember taking Vanessa Spurgeon to a Waffle House. She was quite disappointed I took her to a Waffle House. She left me that night. She called one of her girlfriends to come get her. I'll never forget that. I ordered the T-bone steak and the chili. The chili was exquisite. 
Now these children were on a date and they were looking at cell phones which were in their hands, glowing blue lights which were reflecting in their eyes and turning their faces kind of a purplish color. And they were using their thumbs and rapid movements and they weren't even speaking to each other. The young boy was a nice looking boy and the girl was, was a long blonde headed girl with crystal blue eyes and a fair complexion. And they look at each other every now and then and they just sort of giggle. No words were exchanged. Young people today have completely bypassed that first 25 years of marriage when couples talk to each other incessantly and retell the same stories. Young people have gone straight to the part of relationships where you just don't talk. They've done it seamlessly. They talk via text. Now, I think that young boy would be lucky to hear her voice if he could just place that phone down on the table upside down and not check it every few seconds. I think he'd learn a lot about who she is and and what she is about inside. Everybody's about something in this life. And you can't communicate what you're about just sending text messages to somebody. There's another man in the restaurant. He was sitting in the back. He was wearing a delivery uniform. He was just sitting there looking at the different folks in the place. He looked tired. There were bags underneath his eyes. His hair was a little disheveled. Sometimes I like to imagine stories about people. My wife is the one who has taught me to do this. On our honeymoon, we were in a public place in Charleston, South Carolina. My wife saw a man kiss a woman right in the center of the street. He kissed her passionately with his arms wrapped around her back and one hand behind her head. And her long hair was ringlets and he was closing his eyes and my wife said those two people are definitely not married <laughs> and she made up an entire story about their scandalous affair the scandalous thing they had going on and she she had an occupation already imagined for this man and, and how they'd met she had decided it all she'd made this entire story up and we ended up seeing them that night for dinner and they sat together and they were talking to each other they were just just running their mouth a mile a minute. And she said, see, they're talking to each other. And married people don't talk to each other. Those two are definitely not married. While I sat in that restaurant with my wife, we were tired. We'd been on the road for a little while. I'd spoken in Montgomery and Auburn and Birmingham and Columbiana, and we were on our way home. And my wife was perusing the menu, and she decided she would have the grouper. She'd order the cabbage with it and the green beans. I had the turkey and dressing. I had the zipper peas and the butter beans and the cabbage. It was good. It was real good. It was food that reminded me of my mother's food. My mama used to make turkey gravy whenever we had a turkey or chicken gravy. Whenever we had a chicken, she would get the neck of the bird, and she would... She would cook it, boil it until the gravy was rich enough to be used in a Wall Street transaction. And she would slather our plate in this kind of food, the kind of food that doctors warn you against. Her cornbread is the kind of cornbread which has so much saturated fat in it, it's illegal in three states. And her biscuits are big enough to be used in pillow fights. It's hard to find a good eatery like this, like Mom's Kitchen. 
It's hard to find a place where the waitresses are teenagers and they wear their high school colors. And when they tell you to sit down wherever you like, they pronounce the word sit as see it. It's hard to find a place with a pie cooler up front. It is. I paid for our meal. It was only $20. My wife and I walked out of the restaurant, and we both remarked at how satisfied we were. We hopped back into our truck, and we drove dark two-lane highways along the road. And while we were driving, I noticed that we weren't really talking. We've been married 15 years. 15 years, that's really not a long time. I once wrote about a couple who've been married for 70 years. 70 years. That was quite a couple. I interviewed them in a restaurant, much like the one I'm telling you about. We sat at a table, and he sat across from me with his wife, and he let her in first, and then he scooted in the same side with her, and he kissed her right on the cheek. There's something about watching old people kiss that means a lot. It gives you the kind of feeling that that says everything's going to be okay in this world. I asked him all sorts of questions, and he couldn't get two or three words out before she'd finish his sentence. (laughs) And when she was finished talking to me, she said, You see, we've been married so long, we've learned each other's stories. And I know how he's going to answer you before he answers you. And I know what he wants to say to you before he, he says a word. Driving along that old highway with my wife that night... We didn't have much to say. We were just being real, real quiet. Real quiet. We were all talked out, you see. All talked out. No games to be played. No 20 questions. No no going on a picnic. And I thought about that old couple I had once interviewed, 70 years of marriage. And I, I remember asking him. I said, what's the secret to be married that long? He said, I've come up with, with two rules. Two rules. He said, I want to love her no matter what she does to me or what she does for me. I want to love her for who she is. Just no conditions. Just for herself. And the second rule is, no matter what life throws at us, we will never, ever, ever play adult league softball together. Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich, and it has been a real pleasure. Hey, you just heard our 25th episode. 25 episodes we put out there in 25 episodes you've listened to every Saturday. I just want to say thank you to every single listener who's tuned in to make this thing a success on iTunes. I also want to say thanks to John Crocker and Wally Darcy. That's the sound engineer and audio editing. That music here behind me is Jason Ballou, Zachary Carter, Lewis Hughes, Caitlin Guardian, Travis Tucker with Backline Bluegrass. Backlinebluegrass.com to find anything more about what they do or get their music on iTunes. She is one of the greatest vocalists you will ever hear this side of heaven. Find anything more about what I do, you can visit SeanOfTheSouth.com. And while you're there, I hope you drop me a line because I love to hear from my friends. And friends, thank you for 25 episodes. And remember, you are unique just like everyone else on this planet. Adios. Adios.